Welcome to Set for Life with Pastor Ray Jensen. You can find us at setforliferadio.com. Romans 10.9 says that if you confess with your mouth the Lord Jesus and believe in your heart that God has raised Him from the dead, you will be saved. So let's listen from God's Word, verse by verse, on how we can prepare for the coming of the Lord and Messiah Jesus, who died on the cross, so that you can be set for life. You'll be set for life if you give your heart and believe what He's done for you. You'll be set for life with the treasure stored up in heaven when you're through. You'll be set for life. David was hiding out in the field and Jonathan secretly sent an encrypted message, so to speak, by shooting arrows in a certain way. He had already set it up with David. If that's what I say, then Saul is out to get you and you need to run. So it was a secret message to David in hiding. He used the bow, the bow and arrows to convey that message to him. And so verse 18, though, it says that this is indeed written in the book of Jasher. Now you can find the book of Jasher online. No, it's not hidden in a cave on a scroll somewhere. It's online. The ancient Hebrews, they put it, they posted it online for us to find it. Okay. So you can find the book of Jasher online. No, it, of course it was an old book, but you can find it online. <laughs> so, but it is a book that the Bible refers to multiple times in Joshua also and in Kings. So it's worth the time reading the book of Jasher. And this song that David wrote is now is going to be in the book of Jasher. But this song is written much like a funeral, if you notice. Because at somebody's funeral, you don't remember the bad things they did. You remember the good things that they had done to honor them. We have to remember that Saul did walk with the Lord. Now, I know some of you tracing through the Bible, you want to hate Saul. I understand he messed up a lot. So did you, and so did I. We're all sinners. But he did walk with God in the beginning before he fell away, and he did do a lot of good things. From chapter 11, it says the people of Jabesh-Gilead were saved by Saul from the Ammonites, and they would not forget that about Saul. And if you remember, when Saul was beheaded by the enemy, they hung his body on a wall to dishonor him, who were the people that came and took the bodies down to give him a proper burial? It was the people of Jabesh-Gilead, because they remembered what Saul did for them to save them. They had their families, their wives, their children, because of what Saul had done. They wanted to honor Saul. And we also have to remember when Jonathan and his armor bearer, they launched an attack against the Philistines. You remember that? Everybody else was messing around in chapter 14. Saul was like, what's going on? I hear some uh, tumultuous sound. It was Jonathan and his armor bearer. Saul paced around. What do we do? What do we do? What do we do? Let's try this, try that. Anything but attack. Finally, he realized, hey, let's get in there and join the fight. Jonathan and his armor bearer ran into the Philistines and attacked, and they did some. They clobbered them guys. But this is why David wrote in the Song of the Bow in verse 22, he says, the bow of Jonathan did not turn back and the sword of Saul did not return empty guys we got to realize as much as we want to fault Saul and talk about all the bad things he did he did fight for Israel he fought for Israel do not forget that and so David opened his song and he closed it by saying how the mighty have fallen 
how the mighty have fallen. Saul and Jonathan, they were both in the thick of it. They were in there fighting for Israel. And, you know, David cursed the mountain of Gilboa. That's That was an expression. I hate that place. Have you ever been somewhere that something bad happened and you just didn't want to go there again? I've got places around the hometown I live in. I've lived in this town all my life. I had my bad days. And there's some places that are in town that bad things happen to me. I don't really care to go in there anymore because of the memory of it. Well, David cursed the mountain of Gilboa for having been the stage of where Saul and Jonathan met their end in a fruitless defense against the enemy. Now, the undying loyalty of Jonathan comes in for special praise as David viewed this father and son, Saul and Jonathan, who were knit together in life and in death. They were together. You think of it, Jonathan was David's best friend. And Jonathan could have said, you know, David, I think I'd rather come hang out with you, but he didn't. He stayed by his dad. There's something honorable about sons and fathers staying together. Yes, Saul messed up, but Jonathan did fight for Israel, and David gave him honor for that. Even though Saul had oppressed the people at times, a lot of times, let me go ahead and put it that way, he had also, as David said, brought them luxury and bounty. Look at verse 24. It says that he brought them luxury and bounty to Israel. That's why he told them, mourn for Saul. He did you some good. He really did. But it was Jonathan, whom David celebrated with special sadness, his best friend. All the years of their solid friendship, it's all captured here in this tribute. He said, you have been very pleasant to me. Your love to me was wonderful, surpassing the love of women. Now, I know that verse jumped off at some of you like, what? Uh Uh-oh. Because you know already how some people are going to try to turn this verse into a sexual biased bunch of baloney that is not what it means at all i'm gonna if anybody says it tries to take this passage and twist it into a thwarted perverted style of meaning don't be a lightweight you need to read everything to understand what david meant by this we have got to take the meaning of what david said this statement that your love surpassed the love of women we have got to take this from david's viewpoint not from your viewpoint. We've got to understand what David meant. If you remember David's wife, she claimed that to Saul, she claimed that David had threatened her. She said David was going to, he threatened me, he threatened my life. Okay, bad thing right there, number one. In 1 Samuel 25, Saul gave Michael to a guy named Paltiel for a wife. So she had been living as wife to another man for some time. Now, I know that Saul's the one that gave her, but I don't see anywhere that she really protested it all that much. I mean, she'd been living with this guy for a couple years now, at least. In fact, later on, to back this this viewpoint up, later on in the book, we still have yet to see it, but we're going to see a time when David went to take her back as a wife again. He went and reclaimed her back. I don't know if it was so much that he loved her, but more... Perhaps the fact that she was of Saul's line and that would affirm David's rule on the throne to have her with him as wife. But apparently she wasn't too happy about it. For whatever David's reasons were for taking her back, she was not happy about it because we're going to see later in 2 Samuel 6, she blasts him with a very condescending and sharp, insulting kind of rebuke because when David was dancing through the city, 
He took a lot of his clothes off and he danced in the city. But I want to show you the way she talked to him. Second Samuel 6 and 20. She says, how glorious was the king of Israel today, uncovering himself today in the eyes of the maids of his servants, as one of the base fellows shamelessly uncovers himself. That's not how you talk to a king. I'm sorry. Uh, or anybody for that matter. You, there's you, better ways of saying it. Oh, she had the right. Well, you know, that's your culture talking today that says if somebody disagrees with you, you're allowed to slap them upside the face and talk down on them. No, you're not. David did actually say back to her, he says, the Lord chose me as ruler over your father, Saul, and all those maids that you just talked about, they're going to honor me. They will honor me. And the Bible says after that, that Michael had no children for the rest of her life. So you can see the kind of woman she was, the way she talked to him, the way she perceived him. She lied about him. She insulted him. She snapped at him a lot. This, this guy is the king. This is her husband. And she had no honor. And so she received no honor because she had no children. And so from David's perspective, not yours, not anybody else's, from David's perspective, the loyalty of the women that he had had in his life did not compare to the loving loyalty that Jonathan had for David because Jonathan risked his life for David. He risked his life for David's safety and survival. On several occasions, he made commitments to David that he kept. Michael did not keep. His wife did not keep those commitments like Jonathan did. And so that's why David said in the Song of the Bow that Jonathan's love for him surpassed that of women. Because not even the women in David's life had demonstrated such a solid, unwavering commitment towards him as what Jonathan had given. This has absolutely nothing, nothing. Friends, I'm going to tell you, listen to me. This has nothing to do with sexuality. That's not what this is. So don't let anybody twist that up or try to use that. All they got to do is read the whole Bible Keep it in the context and don't be a lightweight. Don't be a lightweight. (laughs) Just read the book. Don't let people skew the meaning. This was about solid dedication, which was the kind of friendship that David had with Jonathan. And also, this is all the more reason why David lamented in anguish over Jonathan's death. It was a very hard time for David. But now, in thinking about this poetic lamenting of David, here, it took quite a hard blow to open up the way to the throne for David. For David to get to the throne, it was tough. It was a tough hit. Saul is dead, as well as the best friend that David had ever had. But even with all this hardship going on, David kept himself working in the Lord's will. That's a hard thing to do when you just suffered a tragic loss. You know, when you have a a tough time or a trial, most people, they want to shake their fist at God and how dare you, Lord, how dare you do this to me? And they stop walking with him. David is going through this, but he's still walking with the Lord. And we can really learn from this, that we should do the same thing. David's steadfast devotion to doing what God had commanded him to do. Look at it this way. David stayed away from Jerusalem Saul's the king down there all this time. David could have said, no, 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 I'm the anointed one. I remember Samuel poured that oil on my head. Let's jump on down there to that throne and kick Saul out of there, and I'm going to be the king now. No, David stayed away from Jerusalem all this time. Maybe it was out of fear. Maybe it was out of let's, let's obey and kill Amalekites. For whatever reason, 
David stayed away from Jerusalem, knowing that he had the anointing, but this also showed that David was not impatient. He was not in a big hurry to get to the throne of Israel. Most people would have been in a big hurry to become king because they would want all the title and the honor and the riches. You know, when I first was trying to move into ministry, I was told some good advice by many pastors. They said, do not get in a hurry. I wanted to be a minister. I wanted to get in there and read the word, and that's what I wanted to do with my life. I can't wait until I can just preach the word of God. And the ministers around me said, don't get in a hurry. Slow down. You'll get there. Slow down. Okay, so David was not in a hurry to receive all that. The kingly stuff, he did what he was supposed to do, and he was patient. But it did come at a hard blow because of the loss of Jonathan and Saul. But according to verse 20, David is most concerned. Yes, he's grieving, but he's most concerned about God's honor. God's honor. He does not want this news to, of he doesn't want the news of Israel's defeat to be spoken of in Philistine territory, or else everybody would laugh at Israel like they were a laughing stock. David was thinking, now everybody's going to laugh at us because we have departed from the good old days of following the Lord. Oh my gosh, world, I'm talking to the world today, whoever hears me, how how far we have fallen. We've departed from our days of following the Lord, and look what's going on. But, you know, David cursed Mount Gilboa. He just cursed it because he doesn't he doesn't want to think about that place. He's angry. He cursed Mount Gilboa because of Israel's defeat. He said, "Let there be no dew or rain upon you because it, why is that? Because if a mountain gets dew and rain, it grows. It grows plants, it grows uh grains. And he he basically said, let nothing grow on you, because if it can't grow on you, then there can be no offerings from you. He even mentioned offerings when he cursed Gilboa. It's, it's like he's saying in ancient Hebrew terms to the mountain, it's like he's saying, if you can't be any good for an act of worship, then you have no reason to be here. If you can't be good for something, you have no right or no point in being here at all. If you cannot glorify God, then you have no reason to be around. He's, co- he's condemning Mount Gilboa because his lamenting is so deep. Let no doer rain come upon you. May you not be worth of anything of God for growing anything that could be used for a sacrifice again. But like I've said, at a funeral, you speak honorably of the deceased And as much as everybody wants to fault Saul and blame and condemn Saul for all the bad things he did, David did say, I want you to look at it, get your Bibles up in front of you. I really hope you all follow the Bible when I'm I'm doing these videos instead of just listening. You need to be in the Bible yourself. Look where he said in 2 Samuel 1 and uh, verse 24, he said that Saul did good things for Israel. He did good things for Israel, and that's why I've been pleading with everybody who reads this book not to attack Saul so harshly. You sound like you're defending him, right? I am. Yes, I'm defending Saul. Don't be so wicked against him because of his wickedness, because the judgment you use will be measured back to you. You've got your own sin. You've got your own fall coming in some way or another. Don't be too heavy on Saul or anybody else for that matter. I know the news is teaching us to look at people and just cut them to the ground and find something wrong with them and accuse them until they fall so we can have victory. Oh, I won. I'm better than you. 
That's not what the Bible says. The Bible says consider others better than yourself and do not think of yourself higher than you ought to. Saul did good things. Saul did have a time when he walked with the Lord. David remembers the good things about Saul. He had good early days, but it is undeniable that what David's talking about, part of the mourning that David has, he's, he's concerned for God's honor because Saul demonstrated something to all the rest of the nations. He demonstrated that sin ate up his latter years. His later years as king were just consumed by sin. Sin took the army to their defeat. Sin robbed Israel of its anointed king. David is saying, That sin is this infection that got into the nation and ate it down to nothing. And now here's this big defeat, and he's lamenting so deeply for the Lord's anointed and for his best friend that he's afraid that Israel is going to become the laughingstock of the world and make God look like he cannot hold his nation up. He says, don't say this around Gath and Ashkelon. Don't talk about this in the land of the Philistines. This is a very grievous time. David is remembering that there was once the good old days of faithfulness, but when we turn away from God, there is shame, there is death, defeat, and there's pain. We should know that as believers, not just in Saul's case, but as believers, the same can happen to us. So if you haven't been walking with God, man, you need to walk with him again. You need to renew your life, your commitment back to the Lord and let him refresh things in your life. But you know, it looks like this would be the end of a bad story here because that's the end of the second, cha- uh, the first chapter of Second uh, Samuel, getting tongue-tied. It looks like this would be a gloomy end if I stopped right here. But that's why I want to take you to the first verse of Second Samuel, verse 1. Let's read that together. It says, It happened after this that David inquired of the Lord, saying, Shall I go up to any of the cities of Judah? And the Lord said to him, Go up. Okay, I want you to take notice of the words after this. If you have your Bible in front of you and you've got a highlighter or a pencil or whatever, I want you to highlight, underline, after this. Make those words stand out. After this. After this. Because I want us all to understand that whenever tragedy strikes, whenever trial hits, whenever problems fall all over your head and weigh you down and you get pummeled with defeat, I want you to know that with the Lord God of Israel, there is always an after this. After this, there's always more. I want you to hang on and remain faithful because after tragedy, death, after sadness, after times of great difficulty, After this, because the Lord is about to establish David as the king, the king is coming, and there is always after this. After this. That's great, isn't it? That's good news. Psalm 30 and 5. Psalm 30 verse 5 says, For his anger is but for a moment. His favor is for life. Weeping may endure for a night, but joy comes in the morning. Joy comes in the morning. After this, joy will come. I know things look bad right now. If you look on in the news, oh gosh, oh, the news. If you look at what's happening, it'll scare you if you let it own your mind. 
if you let it have your focal point, if you put your faith in your guns and your gold and your government, you're in trouble because it looks very scary out there. And we've seen things happen lately that we thought we'd never see in our lifetimes that we never have. And some things might get worse. Yeah, it might get much worse. But I'm telling you, more people are about to get saved in these end times than has ever been saved in the entirety of human history. Mark my words. If you're just looking at your money and your your stuff and your your cars and your job and your income and all money, money, money. If you're looking at that, oh my guy didn't get elected this year. Oh, what am I gonna do? Oh, it's gonna be so terrible. Guys, I'm telling you, you watch. More people are going to be saved than has ever been saved in human history. In the entirety of mankind's time on this earth, more people are about to get saved in these end times that you are going to see than ever. Is that not an exciting thing to see? Because where sin abounds, grace abounds all the more. We're going to see, it's going to get dark. I know it, but it's easier to see a lantern in the middle of a field when it gets dark than in the daytime. You can't see that lantern out there, guys, the darker it gets the brighter our light will become. Don't you want to be here for this, to see more people than ever? I'm getting so excited I'm hitting the microphone. Don't you want to see more people than ever get saved than has ever been saved? Isn't that a good reason to be here? Get the right perspective, my friends. That's why I'm here. That's why I'm on the radio and on video trying to tell you these things so I can encourage you and the Lord God because there's always after this, after this, We're all, after this, going to be caught up in the clouds together. We're all going to be, it's all going to be done when that happens. It's all going to be done for us. Weeping may endure for the night, but joy comes in the morning. Friends, I know the national distress is heavy, but joy is going to be coming after this. But I don't want to go through this. Guys, that's how, it's part of what builds us up, part of what builds our character. Part of what strengthens us up. Otherwise, we'd get lazy. You can't get too lazy. You get too fat, and then you're not productive. We need to be productive. Body of Christ, get up. Let's be productive. Let's go out there and tell people about Jesus. You don't need a a master's degree or anything from a Bible college. All you need to know, John 3, 16 is enough, and all you need to be willing to do is tell people about it that Jesus came and died on the cross for our sins. He wants to save us. Yes, there's tragedy, but after this, we sinned, I know. But after that, we were condemned and we were supposed to be sent to hell for all eternity. I know that's offensive language today, but the Bible says it. But after that, Jesus died on the cross for our sins and he was buried and he took our sin, kicking and screaming, dragged it down into the grave to bury it forever. But after that, Jesus rose again. And because Jesus rose again, then after that, you and I get to be raised again. That's the gospel. Isn't that good? Friend, just keep serving the Lord. Stay close to him. And just in a little while, it won't be much longer. Just just hang on. Just a little while longer. And we will all be together after this. You are not worthless. You are priceless. Messiah Jesus died on the cross to redeem you. Remember that. Don't forget it and don't let anybody tell you otherwise. You have great worth. We will see you next time on Set for Life. Thanks for stopping in. Come on back sometime, okay? Thank you for listening to Set for Life. We hope you can join us next time 
unless Jesus returns for us first. Set for Life is the radio ministry of Pastor Ray Jensen. We invite you to subscribe to our podcast at setforliferadio.com. Hi, this is Ray Jensen. Thank you for giving me the opportunity to encourage you in God's Word. If the Bible doesn't excite you, then you're not reading it. I want you to remember that you are not worthless. You are priceless. Messiah Jesus died on the cross to redeem you so that you can be set for life. You'll be set for life.